Appalachian country. My name is Phil. This is the Fun with Bitcoin podcast. We are in season three and this is episode eight. All right, before we dive right in, I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, to one of my buddies over here, Bitcoin Jeopardy, who's unfortunately going to be leaving us from Bitcoin Twitter. Uh, it's been great, man. It's been great uh, chilling with you and uh, having some laughs. All right, take it easy. All right. So I've got a very interesting chat with Taylor from MyNode. And um, for those of you who know um, from my past experience, I've got a Casanode, I've got a Raspy Blitz, a bunch of Raspy Blitzes, and now I've started to mess around with the MyNode. Um, to me, it's the it's the Swiss Army knife of, of nodes. It's got, I think, about 25 different applications on it. it it's really interesting. I... I've even called it the, uh, like, it's like a Bitcoin OS. Anyways, um, I hope you enjoy my chat with Taylor from Mike. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for joining me on the Fun with Bitcoin podcast. I've got a very special guest. He is the creator and founder of the MyNode. And for those people who aren't familiar with Lightning Nodes, I I, I definitely have to say that it, it is the, the, the Swiss Army knife of of nodes. It's got everything. And I'm so glad to have him on my podcast. Um, Taylor, thank you very much for joining me. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be on. Cool. Very cool. So look, before we get into the MyNode, uh, I definitely want to talk about your rabbit hole story. So how did you, uh, how did you get into Bitcoin and uh, how are we here now? <laughs> yeah. So it started, I don't know, quite a I don't know, maybe within a couple of years of Bitcoin being created, you know, I started seeing articles pop up here and there about it. And I was always kind of interested because um, my background is in like computer science and software engineering. And at, at the time I was in college and it was just really interesting. It, it, finance has been another kind of hobby of mine and following markets. And so this idea of an Internet based money that you can send to people sort of trustlessly over the Internet was uh, kind of intriguing. And so I kind of had followed it in the news for a while and stuff. And um, really, though, within the past, I guess it started about a year ago, did I start really applying some of the like computer science and software engineering background I had to Bitcoin when I decided to sort of take the deep dive into the Lightning Network and set up my own node. And then I thought, well, this isn't the easiest thing to do. Um, maybe, maybe I can create something cool that I could share with other people and um, make it easier to run all of just the fantastic open source software that's out there. Um, I mean, the list of features on my note is just growing because so many people are starting to contribute to this space. But the one thing is there's like a diverse background of people that um, care about Bitcoin and want to be interested in it. And they don't all have the same like software engineering or system administration skills that um, a lot of Bitcoiners have, but not all of them. And, and I think the number of people that are um, in in interested in Bitcoin that don't have that background is growing pretty quickly. So I wanted to create something for them that would give more and more people access to all of these like fantastic tools that are um, getting created. Like It seems like every day, new interesting projects are popping up that make Bitcoin easier to use or can offer new capabilities. And so I wanted to create a platform that let people have access to that. Oh man, that, it, it, and you really do. I mean, seriously, I, I absolutely love the, uh, the interface. I, uh... Th thanks, I appreciate that. <laughs> It's uh, I just think it's incredible that, you know, we just, you know, we log in, we get to see all the services, their status, and right away we could dive into it. 
you know, so that's that's definitely cool. Um, actually, you know what? I did have, I mean, since, you know, I we may as well just dive right into my node because <laughs> there's really so much to it. And I, I think it's really cool. And we're going to obviously talk about the, you know, the, the community, right, of, uh, mm-hmm. of, of everybody, uh, you know, helping each other out. Uh, I've been in the uh, Telegram group and I've seen there's like, it's really, really incredible. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, did you have any plans to add uh, any LCD support to it? Um, yeah, so actually a couple months ago, I tinkered around with that and I was able to get like a little screen up that kind of just showed CLI stuff, but, um, I've had so many other projects pop up and things happening and helping support people and shipping devices that I haven't had time to really focus on that since it's kind of like a, I view it as sort of like a nice, cool thing to have, but at the same time, there's other projects that are kind of, I guess, higher on my priority list to add, um, so I've been focusing on that and then kind of lately, you know, just shipping devices and doing support. And um, I, I'm kind of I had taken a small break, I guess, over the past few weeks from like just continually adding new feature, new feature, new feature, just to try and help like improve stability and help people through issues and questions and improve uh, some of the guides is on my to do list. And so I'm I, for LCD support, I, I got a little bit working, but it was sort of just a little tinker side project. And I haven't spent a lot of time um working on full LCD support. But you mentioned the community, so yeah. <laughs> if anybody does want to go out there and add LCD support, <laughs> I would very much appreciate it. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the community has been absolutely fantastic. And that is probably the biggest surprise as I started this project. I mean, a, a year ago or so when I started it last February or March, uh, for the first six months, it was uh, pretty much just me tinkering around with stuff and trying to build a project and I started a Twitter to share some screenshots and stuff and people seemed interested um, and then so when I started finally releasing I mean the the support in the community has just been awesome and it's been growing faster than you know I, I could have possibly ever imagined and so you mentioned telegram I think there's like I don't know six or seven hundred people in the telegram chat right now listening and talking and helping each other and um, I, I get community additions and people add things like dark mode to the UI which um, has had just like a fantastic reaction to it. Um, and so it's really awesome to watch other people like help and contribute and make it a, a better project and um, help other people through some of the common issues and things that they might run into if they're setting it up for the first time or they don't know how to um, like find the IP address of the device to view the web GUI or something. Like there are some simple things that um, people, when when they might not have that like deep technical background they don't understand how to do some of those things and so like helping each other with guides and walking them through some of the the basics has helped onboard so many people to bitcoin and and um and even seeing those explanations and helping each other it helps me see what the common issues are and try to make it easier and easier to use um as more and more people start using it and i get that feedback yeah i did um i did notice when i first set it up uh, i had to go out and you know grab a uh you know, to like, I went and got angry IP scanner so I could just check my, you know, check my network, figure out which one was my node. Yeah. And, uh, exactly. yeah. So exactly. So to your point, you know, for the less technical people, you know, they, you know, they, they probably won't know to go out and get like a little IP scanner or something like that, you know, that they can figure it out. But, um, you know, one thing I really like about, um, about your project is you have the, uh, the one click upgrade, uh, from the web UI, and I, I think that, um, you know, I, I know it may, you know, people take for granted how easy, you know, things are today in software, okay? But, like, 
But like to have a one-click um, upgrade from the UI is actually a little bit more of like a, a perception-wise, like a, it's like a sense of security, right? It's like I can do this easily, so right. I, I I do like that a lot. Yep. And then you know people don't have to manage like okay, what version of like Bitcoin am I running? What version of Lightning am I running? Like they yes. might want to stay up to date, but they don't want to have to go find okay, what what is the right package to download? How do I extract that? You know, they get to just go click that button, and then they can get up to date with the latest versions of. I mean, I. I don't know how many projects have been integrated, like 20, 25 or something like Bitcoin projects, I think, or have been um, integrated into my node. And so just being able to like get so much value out of clicking a little button, um, I, I think people are really enjoying that. It, it's it's absolutely phenomenal. So you, you were saying before, though, that, uh, OK, so that LCD support isn't high on the list, which I totally respect and understand. Um, you know, it's uh, look, it, it's a preference and, and it is an extra, you know, for the people that are building their own nodes, because you do offer the option to either mm -hmm. purchase the node, uh, uh, purchase the the software um, in a uh, they could install it in a virtual environment, I believe they can. Yeah, yeah. And so that I mean, that's probably one of the reasons that um, the LCD isn't high on my list, because I don't of the devices that I do sell, none of them. Um, like they're all in cases that don't really have LCD support. And so since I don't actively sell that, it's been I, a few people have tried. And I think, like I said, I had a little bit of success, but um, it, it just hasn't been super high on the priority list. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, uh, I think they cost a minimum of like uh, 22 bucks for an LCD. So it jacks up the price, of course, of your, you know, of your note. Um, right. But um, OK, so what are the uh, what are the other uh, I'm curious if you don't mind sharing, what are the uh, what are the features that you plan on adding? <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, there's yeah. a lot already. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, right. I mean, there's a lot already, but there's also a whole lot more. Um, so obviously, um, getting Samurai Dojo integrated is very high on the priority list, and I think that's getting very, very close. By the time the podcast comes out, maybe it'll be it'll be worked out and released. Um, but that's that's going in a in a fantastic direction. Working with Samurai on that, um, and so I'm I'm really excited to offer that to people. That's been something that users have been asking for basically since my node was released. Um, so I, I'm really excited to be able to provide that. Um, join market is also an interesting one. I have it, um, it's in the, it's in my node, but it's CLI only right now. I kind of want to, I'd like to find a way to like bring that out and expose it via the user interface. It's going to require building a custom user interface, but um, that's something that I think users would be really interested in. Oh yeah. And then, um, CoinKite uh, released Bunker which I've looked into a little bit. And yeah. so, or maybe it's called CK Bunker, but basically uh, it's it's a way to continue making multi-sig easier and easier um, by attaching like one of the like CoinKite, CoinKite hardware wallets to a device like a MyNode or something like that. And so um, I haven't dug super into the details yet, but it looks relatively easy to integrate and I just kind of need to work my way through it. And so I, that seems exciting and like it has a whole lot of potential um, long-term. And it was just released maybe one or two weeks ago, but when it was released, it immediately sort of jumped up to one of the top priorities just because of how powerful software like that seems to make multi-sig easier, which is sort of, that's one of the things that I think is kind of the next big step in Bitcoin, getting more and more people comfortable with multi-sig. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, that's probably what Casa realized maybe, I don't know when they launched. I, I should know that, but maybe no, it was it's... like a, a year or two ago, a couple yeah. years ago when, when um, Casa started doing their thing and it just seems like it's 
it'll it will give people peace of mind um, owning Bitcoin and knowing that you know there isn't a single point of failure. Um, so anything I can do on my node to help move that forward and make multi-sig easier is something that will jump pretty close to the top on the priority list. Yeah, and I I, I think that you make a valid point uh, about multi-sig. Um, you know, the reality is is that if you're not technical and uh, you don't you don't mess around with uh, with, with Bitcoin um, too often, multi-sig is is very mysterious and scary. Oh yeah, you absolutely. know, like and, and especially because you're messing with live funds, you know, it, it really uh, I I gotta say, like I I definitely didn't touch it for a very long time because I was just like, okay, you know what? Even though I'm technical, I, I really don't want to screw this up. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly so, right. Like it's it's very intimidating to set up and use. And so um, I, I think there's a lot of work we can do to make multi-sig easier and easier um, so that it is not so intimidating and so that people really kind of understand what's going on and they can see the benefits more so than um, the technical complexities of having to go set it up yourself. And uh, yeah, so I, I think that's going to kind of be a, a sort of a frontier for Bitcoin over the next couple of years, making that easier and easier. But to your, uh, as well, to your point, Kaza had, you know, had figured it out. And, um, and actually, that was my introduction to, uh, to multi-sig. And, mm -hmm. and, and they definitely did make it easy, you know? Right. So, right. yeah. So, I mean, like, it's like, so to, to your point, I mean, it, it's coming along. And eventually, I, I think, you know, we're going to get to the point where a person's going to simply just, you know, check a box. And it's, it's going to be enabled. You know what I mean? And they'll simply have to provide a couple of pieces of information. And that's it, you know? So... It's very interesting, you know, and like once once we get to that point, I, I think a person doesn't feel the rift, right? Like I, I think that that's part of the uh, the challenge that we have right now is that you know when you go and use Bitcoin, you go and use Lightning. There's, you know, there, there there's a rift between the you know the experiences that you have in everyday commerce compared to that. Yeah, you exactly. know, so that do you ever um, do you ever get any questions about because one thing I never checked out on the my note is uh, like fault tolerance right like uh, is is there uh, is there some easy way for people to back up their channels and restore them or anything like that yeah so uh, there's a couple things built in that make that um, relatively like secure and safe and there, there are backups and it is possible to restore things um, so let me walk through that real quick. So basically, um, a MyNode device for people who have not set one up or um, have different devices or whatever, or just run Bitcoin on their PC, um, it is effectively a, a small, like they'll call it an SPC, like a single board computer, which can be a Raspberry Pi, it can be a Rock 64, it can be a Rock Pro 64. There's several device types that I um, support with, with MyNode. And um, attached to that, is an external like USB attached hard drive. So there are really two locations to store data on that device. Um, one is the like internal storage, I guess, if you're, you're thinking about it that way, um, of the SD card. So there's a little SD card that's yeah. stuck into the, the device itself. And then there's the, the big storage, you know, where the blockchain is stored and all in the Electrum databases and all that kind of stuff that takes a whole bunch of space. So that's all stored on the external hard drive. Well, for the critical files, um, like some of the Lightning Wallet things and the static, um, the channel backup files and things like that, they are all actually stored um, redundantly. One, there's a copy that like LND uses that is on the hard drive. And then as it changes, a backup is automatically made on the SD card. 
So that enables um, oh. a couple cool things. In case the hard drive ever like totally fails on you, the important files have a backup that's stored on the SD card. And if you ever have something go terribly wrong, I, I hope not, but if something ever really does go wrong with the SD card and the SD card fails, well, there's still a copy on the hard drive. So there are, there are two copies of the important files like that. And um, via the MyNode like, user interface, what you can do is if you're ever creating a wallet, it'll say like, oh, do you want to create a Lightning wallet from a seed phrase? And here you can attach the, the channel backup file and it'll go, um, it'll go use that and, and, well, backup your channels. Although that's a bit misleading. And um, I think quite a few people have been confused. If you use your channel backup file, you don't actually get your channels back. You just get your funds back in your on-chain wallet. Yeah. Okay. So, good. It's good that you're clearing that up. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think, I mean, even myself initially, like, read the title and was like, oh, that's cool. It can back up my channels. Well, I mean, it, it, it can recover the funds from your channels, but it's not like a full backup of the current channel state, which would, I guess, change a lot more frequently. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably end up having that when Watchtowers is a regular implementation. Yeah. I, I, mm -hmm. I think, you know, like so. But but I mean, you know what? All people really want are their, are their funds back anyways. So, Right. I mean, you know? right. Of course. Of course. That, I mean, that is the most important thing. But I mean, if you're someone out there that has like 100 or more channels open, you know, you don't really want to go spend the funds to reopen those channels. Um, so it, That's I mean, true. It, it's, it, it is a negative, I guess, in that you don't get your exact channel state back but it's way better than nothing. I mean, like, it's better that you get the funds back than you don't get anything back. Um, and you have to set your channels back up. But, um, I mean, it, it still should be a rare case that something like that happens and you have to go use your channel backup. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I Unfortunately, um, some of the earlier nodes that I had set up, uh, I bought some cheaper hard drives and uh, and they failed pretty quick. So. Yep. Yeah, that could be a problem. <laughs> I wasn't using a MyNode. That that's when I, I I that's one of my raspy blitzes because I have uh, I'm at this point I have I had ten nodes at one point, but unfortunately some of them have died. Um, yeah. So, but I was able to get my funds back. <laughs> well, that's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. And so actually, um, the best way to handle that though is that in in the MyNode um, user interface, like the web interface. There's a button that you can click that will like download a copy as well, so you can keep a copy of that channel backup file on your computer. You would need to keep it up to date every time you open or close a channel. You'd have to go download it again, but that would help even more and provide a third copy of, of that file, so um, you're even more protected from losing any sort of funds. That's fantastic, seriously. Mm -hmm. Because like that's that that's something I um, that that's definitely something that I I found a little challenging. Regardless, you know, regardless of the node type, is you know the uh, when, when you have a, a type of failure and you want to get your funds out of Lightning, so right, it's uh, it it can definitely be challenging, but <laughs> yeah, it it can be. And but um, I'm hoping that like with the web interface that MyNode has and and um, with the options that it provides in a much easier to use interface. I think hopefully people can um, kind of understand that and help keep their funds safer than they would have otherwise if they were just sort of like running it on a like command line, like a Linux terminal interface that, you know, they created and they spun up a little VM or something. So um, it, the device itself and the SD card and the hard drive and downloading it should provide some redundancy and help people be a little bit kind of safer with their funds. Cool. Do you have a, uh, do you have a custom shell? For the uh, for the MyNode yet? Uh, um, I I don't personally have a custom shell yet, but um, 
there might be some things coming relatively soon regarding some some different shells and some different 3d printed cases um, i know a lot of people have been interested in that and so um i guess i'll go ahead and tease it. i'm looking at offering sort of a higher end device um that is hopefully going <laughs> awesome. to have it's gonna have a, a 3d printed case and i'm hoping of course some the coronavirus and things have actually slowed down shipments so it's been delayed a little bit because shipments coming out of china are not going as quickly as um probably most companies in the united states and the rest of the world would have hoped um but yeah so right now i'm, I'm looking at creating a, a slightly higher end device it, it would obviously have like a solid state drive built in um and it would have a 3d printed case as well and then i'm looking at also kind of rearranging the way the the minode one and the one plus are uh sort of shown and displayed on the website okay um, i kind of want to offer a little bit more flexibility so people can go in and say okay well you, you can buy a device but like how much ram do you want do you want a solid state drive do you want a hard drive and then of course like you could you could sort of customize it yourself if you want to go like low end less expensive you could do that if you want to go slightly higher end with some solid state drives and things, you could do that as well. And then that way people have a little bit more um, customizability in what they're ordering. And so I'm looking at rolling that out relatively soon. And then um, the higher end device that would by default come with a 3D printed case. Um, hopefully I'm looking at maybe launching in the next month, but that's kind of up in the air depending on like where shipments and things are. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. What about, um, uh, what about, I was also thinking, uh, what about a hardware wallet? Did you look at that stuff yet? Because, like, I mean, it, it's just, I, I again, I, I love the interface yeah. that you have. So I'm, I'm feeling like you can do a whole lot of amazing things. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not I'm not looking at a hardware wallet right now. I, there's a lot of, like, fantastic options out there. And um, I feel like whatever I would potentially offer might just be kind of noise. And so what I really want to do is, of course, encourage people to use hardware wallets, definitely. But um, by the MyNode device being able to run like an Electrum server and some of these other things that can help share the Bitcoin status like privately within your own home network. Um, I want to enable people to use their hardware wallets and not have to go connect back to um, either that company servers or like just open on the internet Electrum servers or something. And that way they can verify their funds that um, is on somebody, anyone else's hardware wallet, hopefully. They could, be, they could verify their own funds by uh, um, taking those keys and then like, querying address information on their local node and not have to sort of leak any of that information about their keys or their addresses to someone on the internet. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, so, I mean, besides, uh, so besides the, uh, the my node project, what, uh, I mean, like, are, are you doing anything else in the uh, in the Bitcoin space or is this just tying up all your time? Because I, I feel like even though you have a community and everything, I, I still feel like you, you're a one man show here. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. It does. It does take a lot of my time. Um, I mean, I still do have a, a day job that I really enjoy. And actually, um, I was listening to your like intro, num like first podcast. Um, oh, I gosh. Guess, that, where, where you talked a little bit about yourself. And and so I thought it was kind of interesting because it. it it sounds like you have a background in uh, networking. Is that true? Yeah. Like network administration? <laughs> yeah. Cool. No, I, I thought, well, anyway, so I thought that was really interesting because um, I, my day job is for like a, a telecom vendor. Like we supply like hardware and networking equipment to um, like service providers and things. And um, for a while, I've actually been thinking there's a couple interesting parallels between 
like new network design and the way Bitcoin works with redundancy and things like that. But that's a that's a totally different topic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And I actually, um, I, I don't even remember anymore. That that's amazing though that you checked out that website uh, that uh, that episode. I, and I was still I was still shitcoining back then. I was, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was still like, I, I was a Bitcoiner, but I was still completely confused. So, yeah, right, right. <laughs> so I apologize, <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I, I ended up switching. I ended up specializing and moving away from uh, network administration, um, because that we just like at the job market where I was just completely dried up. And, uh, at the time I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't working remotely. So I ended up moving into access control, um, okay. which, uh, has to do with like keyless entry systems. Mm-hmm. And stuff like that, uh, but for you know, corporations and whatnot. Right. Okay. So it, awesome. yeah, so it's got nothing to do with with Bitcoin, but we do have a uh, shitcoin integration um, <laughs> with, uh, with with Civics. I always like to I always like to shill that garbage shitcoin, and <laughs> and and let everybody know that that's complete crap and that nobody needs it and it doesn't require a token for what it does because all it is is a database in the background. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I just it, it's true. We we I mean I kid you not. It, it's the application itself, it's an API that connects to a database and there's absolutely no token use needed, required, nothing. So Yeah, exactly. It seems <laughs> like, I, I don't know, when I look at it, it just seems like so many tokens are solving the problem of a database and then they call it distributed and it's like, well, it didn't need to be. Like, there was, <laughs> there's literally no reason for it. So Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so let me ask you this about your uh, your Bitcoin journey because uh, after the rabbit hole story, we got right into the MyNode stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, like it sounds to me like you came at it completely from the technical aspect. Like, uh, are you? I, I mean, there was a little bit. I heard you mention some finance, but were you ever into uh, like you know Austrian economics without even really knowing it? Because a lot of people I find didn't even really know that they believed in that, and then it turns well- out you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. I had no idea at the time that it was called Austrian economics. But yes, <laughs> um, I, I when I started like doing more research into Bitcoin, I, I realized that, you know, this is this is really cool because it is a store of value. And via like sort of the consensus mechanisms built into Bitcoin, there is a hard limit. It, and I thought that was sort of intriguing, because if you look at like every other monetary policy on the planet, it's sort of based on inflation and inflation is primarily based on some like government entity that decides okay like how much money do we want to print right and like citizens and people that live in these countries they don't really get to decide how much money gets printed next year or whatever nope and so um it it was very very interesting to me to see like okay how, how is this going to like work and play out because it seems like it has so much potential benefit for people um that live in well that live i mean all around the planet if you look at some like of the third world countries like venezuela right now where there are people who are literally living like and surviving because they happen to have bought like a an old bitcoin miner several years ago right like that can provide just a tiny fraction of like bitcoin income coming to them can provide a better like life for them just because than, than like their day job would just because the inflation rate is going so high and money is just worthless. So any money that they can save immediately becomes, I don't know, pretty much, I mean, like I said, pretty much worthless. Yeah, it's it, it's really crazy. I mean, we don't, I mean, obviously, you know, being in the, you know, being in the U.S., you know, we don't really, we don't really experience that. But, mm-hmm. you know, like we, we have no idea what that level of inflation is, is really like. 
you oh, know, yeah, like I can't imagine it. Like it, it would, it just seem, would be terrible. Like, I mean, I mean, probably like most people who believe in Austrian economics, they want to save money, and if if that just is futile, like you can't save money because it's just totally worthless six months later. I mean, that would just be so like demoralizing, sort of. Like, isn't I mean, it? I, I, yeah. It like if you feel like you can't save money, you have to immediately go spend it. The economy is doing terribly. It just seems like encouraging people to like save and take control of like their finances and um, take control of the monetary policy around the money that they are saving seemed like it was at like at the very least an interesting idea and an inter- interesting project and it could potentially help like millions or billions of people around the world. Absolutely. You know, like, I mean, I, I don't really know how other countries, you know, look at, you know, look at their citizens. But, you know, like us, we're, you know, we're looked at as consumers. So what's important is, you know, our, you know, our quote unquote economic health is how much we consume. But it's right. It's really scary because it, it really shouldn't be that, mm-hmm. you know, and that's kind of I mean, if you think about it, that that's that whole that goes back to that low time preference kind of you know, shit coiner, quick, you know, quick money mentality. Exactly. You know, which is kind of scary. <laughs> so right, right. We shouldn't and think I'm, this way. I mean, money money does have to, like, move around for the economy to, like, work properly. Like, people do need to be spending money. But sure. I think, I think it would be a lot better if people spent money after they had, like, a solid financial base rather than let me go take out, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt to go buy things that I might not need. It seems like as a country, you, you, could, have, you could have, like, the same – amount of spending but and and based on the way many economies are measured like that might look equivalent but to me it seems like you would have a healthier economy if you have the same amount of spending but people with like a healthy financial base where they're not like about to go bankrupt if if the economy takes a turn compared to an economy where people are spending a whole lot of money but it's all based on debt oh Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. you know, it goes back to the uh, obviously the poor quality, you know, the poor quality of our money. And if you think about it, our money is not even, you know, dare I say that terrible. Right. right. In comparison right. to the rest of the world. But at the end of the day, it's fiat, you know, mm-hmm. so it's still not it's still not great. Right. I mean, yeah, the, the U.S. dollar is is relatively strong and, and doing OK. But um, I mean, you never know what can happen in the future. And it you, you know what the monetary policy is with, with Bitcoin. And um, I mean, if you get into politics, like with elections and things like that, I mean, the monetary policy could change between administrations or between um, like who's in control of various parts of the government. And so it, it just, it with Bitcoin, it seems like it's just nice to know that there will be 21 million of them. I know the, the rate at which um, Bitcoin, like I guess inflates right now, it, although it's, like a decreasing inflation rate until it hits the cap of 21 million. But um, you, you know the monetary policy. It's been defined, and it can't change unless a huge majority of people decide, okay, I, I really do want to go change it, which I don't personally think will ever happen. No, me neither. I'm, I, I'm of the same mind, which I know that – I know there's some terrible narratives out there that, uh, you know, like on Twitter where, you know – people obviously want to push this idea that you know that that we're gonna have to do it eventually and all this garbage but i I don't believe that yeah i i I don't either i think um i don't know i I think assuming the price does continue to increase just the whole idea of like the the fees that go along with each bitcoin transaction should hopefully keep enough of the miners in business that they all continue to 
keep mining. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know what, actually, um, you know, this is going to go to lightning a bit. Um, besides the miners, right, which don't get me wrong, this trickles to the miners. But I think that, um, and I've said this before, that the, the there's a there's a fee market that is going to exist in lightning. OK, mm-hmm. that when lightning truly matures, because let's be honest, it's not mature because let, let's back up. Right. Like Bitcoin is still not at a version 1.0. Right. You know, like, let's be honest, like, you know, Bitcoin is not at a version 1.0 and look at what we're doing with it and look at what it's doing. And so lightning is built on that. It's not necessarily 100 percent mature as well. So eventually we are going to have, I think, a fee market that is totally going to surprise many people. And those fees inevitably are going to trickle down to the miners because and because I love how people say that, oh, no, because the fees on lightning means that none of this goes to, to Bitcoin. It's like, well, what are you talking about? Final settlement occurs on the base chain. Right. So mm-hmm. when when those channels close, like at that point, when when these when these transactions settle, that goes to the base layer. Someone's getting paid. Yeah, exactly. Like as channels open and close or you need to get money in and out of lightning channels. Yeah, that's all going to require an on chain transaction. Exactly. So, right. Like the money will go in and out like between the lightning network and the Bitcoin network. You know, so I, I think that we are going to see a huge, uh, a huge fee network on, on Lightning when when it begins to really, really take off. Yeah, you know, yeah, so. I, I, I think we'll definitely see fees change and probably get a little bit higher. Um, and for I don't know, long term with the Lightning network, and this probably isn't like the best like Bitcoin like purist thing to say, but um, <laughs> I, I really do think that a lot of the onboarding for like the masses is going to have to occur through. Um, sort of like custodial lightning wallets, at least at first. Um, people are going to need it, something that is as easy to use as like a PayPal app or something like that, where they just get to like send and receive funds. And then as people learn more, I, I would hope that they would go like run their own lightning node and really have control of their keys. But um, m- my prediction, I guess, would be that some of the like custodial lightning wallets are probably going to be um, the ones that onboard the most people just because it's going to appear easier to them. Um, and then hopefully, like, through education, more and more people can understand sort of what the trade-offs are. But, you know, like, I don't know, if, if you think about a generation or, or two above me, like, convincing some of those people to, like, run their own node and run, like, even control their own Lightning wallet and manage channels and manage peers and all that, it, it's going to be far too difficult Um for them to ever like want to participate in lightning and bitcoin and so i think there, there's a lot of work to do to continue making all of these applications easier um and like if if a developer or if a bitcoin person thinks it's easy enough to use i would say it probably has to get like twice as easy as that to start onboarding like sort of the masses and people who don't really understand what's going on or um haven't gotten into bitcoin for the financial fundamentals or the monetary policy or whatever. I, I think, uh, unfortunately, you're correct. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> because I, because I know we don't want to say it right. But like, I, I right. think, you know, to a certain extent, I know because I mean, every single one of us in real life, you know, we deal with people every day. We are people we know, like, if you're not that technical, you know, it, it is going to be a little bit of a challenge. You know, so it it definitely, yeah, it is, it is definitely going to help onboard people. And this kind of goes back to something we said earlier, you know, that people don't want to feel that shift. Right. You know, and 
if we give them that experience, I, okay, you know what? This kind of goes back to think of it like this, right? Like, um, so I, I'm a child of the '80s, okay? Like that's when I grew up. So I, you know, like I, I saw, I got to see everything kind of like before the real advent of the internet. And mm -hmm. like, I can tell you that, you know, like buying a computer for like $7,000, <laughs> you know what I mean? And having like a, you know, like a freaking like, you know, like 22 point something baud modem and going through all of this stuff and like, you know, connecting to garbage and waiting days for something, weeks, months for something to download, like, right. you know, like a simple file, you know, like it's so what I'm trying to say is, is that we all went through it. And, mm -hmm. and, and like the people who grasped it, grasped it early and they got the fruits of being early, right? They had access to the opportunities of being early. Mm -hmm. As, and, and I think that with Bitcoin and its technology, we're, we're seeing the same thing where, you know, we're getting to be here before it's really fun for everyone else to play, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. Like right. it's fun for us to play, you know, but like... But nobody else is really playing the same way we are yet, you know, kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> exactly. You could, you didn't onboard like millions and millions and millions of people to the internet until basically you could like stick a little pre-built device, plug it in, and you yep. got Wi-Fi throughout your whole house, and you had internet that was always on and didn't cut out when somebody picked up the phone, you know. So, um, like, there were people. I mean, of course, like I used the internet when I was very young, but I, I remember. Like, yeah, I would be downloading a file. It would take forever. And then uh, the phone line cuts out, right? Like, it wasn't a great experience. But, I mean, it, it only took maybe, I don't know, from the first time I started using, like, dial-up internet. I mean, within six, eight, ten years, I mean, you had cable and you had Wi-Fi. And that's just been getting faster. And now with, like, fiber internet deployments going out, I mean, we're almost starting to get to the point where people's, like, Wi-Fi router can be the bottleneck in internet speeds now, which has never been the case before. It's always been the super slow internet and then the, like the faster like Wi-Fi that, that's in your house. And it's just gotten so easy that now people take it for granted because the internet is also on their phone. If Wi-Fi goes down, well, I mean, whatever, maybe that's annoying, but you have 4G or 5G now on your cell phone. So people are just constantly connected to the internet. And eventually that might, I think, will hopefully happen with Bitcoin where people might not even realize they're necessarily using it. Um, just like people take the internet for granted now. like. Every app on your phone connects to the internet, but I remember when you have to, like, there was only one program on your computer that would connect to the internet, and that would be Internet Explorer, and all the rest were applications that had already been downloaded, and you could just use them. But now people take the internet for granted, and every single application needs to communicate via the internet. Yep. And to your point, I look forward to the day where we're taking Bitcoin for granted. We're just using right. it, and we don't even know. <laughs> right. So, um uh, Taylor, do you have anything uh, that you want to uh, that you want to say to the listeners while we wrap up? Um, yeah, I, I've touched on it a couple times, but I just want to say like thank you to the community out there. I mean, it's just absolutely fantastic, and the project has grown faster than I could have ever imagined, and I'm I'm really thankful for that. And people do all kinds of things that help out, whether it's just hanging out in the Telegram chat room and helping people, or talking about cool new projects, or contributing code to, to my node. I mean, there are just um, so many ways that people can help that um, I, I really appreciate what, what they've done. And I hope that that community can continue to grow and um, that my node can keep growing and continue being a success. Cool, man. I really appreciate you coming on my show. It's awesome. Yeah, thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed my chat with Taylor. Uh, the contact information for my node will be in the show notes. 
Um, so we'll lay a link to the, uh, the website. And if you want to contact me, as always, uh, on Twitter or Telegram, I'm at CoinIcarus. If you want to shoot me an email, I'm CoinIcarus at funwithbitcoin.com. If you guys want to support the show, go head on over to moetarags.com. Click on All Clothing and Fun With Bitcoin Podcast. Catch you all next time.